Amen. You stand alone. I stand amazed. Man, is he amazing or what? I mean, is, are you just blown away by Jesus? By how much he loves you and cares about you? By how long he's put up with you? I mean, I'll tell you, man, there's no one like our Jesus, only Jesus. 2,000 years ago, Paul grabbed a pen and paper, um, and after talking about the acts of the sinful nature, after talking about the weeds that you and I must pull up and get rid of if we claim Christ, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual morality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, jealousy, quarreling, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And then he says this, these sobering words, let me tell you again, as, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life, anyone doing those things and, and not repenting and trying to change will not inherit the kingdom of God. And, and after penning those not very fun words, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Understand, as believers, as, as those who have surrendered to Christ through belief, confession, repentance, and baptism, we have the Spirit of the living God inside of us. And yeah, I know that's a crazy, hard to, hard to believe, hard to imagine, hard to wrap our brains around concept, but it is reality. And the Spirit, God's Spirit, wants to produce His fruit in us. And remember, Jesus said that, you know, the way that people will know that you and I are his followers is that they will recognize us by our fruit. I mean, how do you know if a tree is an apple tree, a pear tree, an orange tree, a grapefruit tree, or a cherry tree? By what? By its fruit. Oh, this must be a grapefruit tree because there's a grapefruit hanging from it. And, and, and the fruit the Holy Spirit wants to produce in us is found in Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 23. And let's read these familiar words together on a count of three. One, two, three. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And, and Maple Grove, this is, the, this is the fruit that must be evident uh, this is the fruit that must flow in our lives and from our lives and, and not the fruit of the old sinful nature. Get it? Good. And now, now, so far in this series, and, and it's a series that the Holy Spirit is using both to, to awaken and call us to the, the life that we're created to live. So far in this series, we've talked about, number one, the absolute necessity of pulling up the weeds of the sinful nature if we want to grow the fruit of the Spirit. You know, turn to the person to your right and left and say, keep pulling them weeds. And if it's your spouse, feel free to tell them which weeds to pull. No, kid. <laughs> not, not, seriously not. I'm not ready for a marriage series, so we won't do that. And, and, and we've also talked about, right, love when it's undeserved, and that's really, really hard. We've talked about joy when there's no reason. We talked about having peace when the pressure's on. And, and, and guys, I gotta just tell you that this is great stuff. This is practical stuff. Uh, this is life-changing, home-changing, marriage-changing, 
work environment changing, church changing, world changing stuff. And, and, and I, I think Jesus, if he were here, you know, I hate to speak for him and assume, but I, I, I think he'd say after we've talked about this since January the 18th, he would say to us probably what he said to his guys in the upper room in John chapter 13, now that you know these things, now that you know you need to pull up some weeds, now that you know you need to love when it's undeserved, now that you know you need joy when there's no reason, and peace when the pressure's on, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if what? If you, if you do that. Now this morning our conversation is patience when you feel like losing it. And uh, we're going to pray, and sometimes we pray open palms, symbolic of our openness to God's word, and I got a feeling you, some of us may need this today, so it's, it's dangerous. You came to a dangerous place because we're talking about some dangerous word that can change your life for the better. Uh, Father God, we love you. We humbly come into your presence, and God, there's no one like you, God, to think that you're the one who spoke all this into existence, Lord, uh, to think that you hold us in your hands, and you hold this world in your hands, and God, to think, you try to imagine, I mean, that that we're spinning around right now at 1,000 miles per hour, hurling through space, revolving around the sun at 68,000 miles per hour, that we'll travel 1.6 million miles a day, and, and you set all that in place, and that's who you are. You're a powerful God, and, and God, you're here in this room, and, and God, I pray that your word would come with power, and God, I pray that you would help me say what I need to say in the way that needs to be said, and God, that you would give us open hearts and open spirits. God, I pray the thief is not able to steal, kill, and destroy what you have for us and what you have for me. God, somehow find a way to use me to speak your truth about such a powerful part of the fruit of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't you wish we lived in a perfect world? In a perfect world, chocolate would have no calories. <laughs> Procrastination would be an honored virtue. Teenagers would rather clean their rooms than be on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Politicians would pay us taxes. Children along road trips would say, hey, isn't this fun, and quietly drift off to sleep. Candy would be considered a vegetable. There'd be, never be any traffic jams on Highway 29. Gas would always be 50 cents a gallon. Computers would never have any problems. Every, everyone would always be on time. Your team would always win. You would never lose your keys, your wallet, your checkbook, or your debit card. That's my, that's my four horsemen right there. And, and every Happy Meal you get would always have an extra nugget. But unfortunately, we don't live in a perfect world, and, and every day our patience is tested. And you know, I, I went on YouTube and uh, I searched about uh, test of patience, and I found a, a funny video some college kids did that got about 18 million views. This is part one. I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> part two is even better. Part two is even better. Um, have you had your patience tested recently? And were there times in the past week where you felt like losing it or you actually lost it? Now, now, now here's how I, I want to attack the uh, topic today. First, I want to talk about some of the things that test our patience, and, and then I want to talk about you know, why patience is foundational to our relationships, and, and then I want to talk about how you and I can cooperate with the Holy Spirit um, so that he can produce the fruit of patience in our lives so that the power of patience can be unleashed. And there are basically five uh, categories of things that test our patience, and they all start with the letter I. How convenient, right? Uh, we'll force anything as a preacher, right? All start with the letter I. 
You know, and, but it is good to know the things that test our patience so we'll be ready when, when the world decides to chunk a Frisbee at our head or spit water on us or, do every, or a person tries to do everything they can just to annoy us. One of the things that tests our patience is interruptions. You know what I mean? You sit down for a meal and the phone rings or you're, you're ready to pop into the shower and there's a knock at the door or you're working on a project and it's been really tough for, you know, just over the weeks just to get together two coherent thoughts and you're finally in the groove. It's looking really good. And suddenly someone pops their head into your office and says, hey, do you have a minute? And it takes a lot longer than a minute. You see, our best plans are often interrupted and that tests our patience. Another is inconveniences test our patience. Yeah. How do you deal with the inconveniences of life? Uh, we Americans, we hate to be delayed. We have a, we have a microwave mentality. You know, you know, I don't know about you, but when I heat up those meals, right, you know, I want them done in two minutes. If it's going to say, do two minutes, take it out, stir it up, put it back in another two minutes, and then let it sit for two minutes, I'm like, are you serious? Are you serious? That's just too much work. I want two minutes and it's ready, you know? And yeah, I don't know about yeah, us older folks, right? I was going to get a picture. Anybody remember those like Swanson TV dinners? You know, those tinfoil things that took like three days to cook, you know, <laughs> that your dog wouldn't even eat, you know, that took forever. You know, we, 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 we want what we want and we want it yesterday. We have instant rice, instant potatoes, instant coffee, instant messages, Instagram, uh, you know, uh, hundred years ago, people didn't worry if they missed their stagecoach because they could always get another one in about a week or two, right? And today, right, if we miss the green light, we're, we're, or the yellow light, right? Yellow light means go faster. You know, we have a heart attack. A, a third test of our patience is irritations, those things that, that just get under our skin. How do you handle them? How do you handle traffic jams, long lines, slow computers, lost data, GM copiers, empty cereal boxes, misplaced keys, cold food, late planes, flat tires, occupied bathrooms, empty toilet paper rolls? That's really inconvenient. And some of those we can control and some we cannot, so we got to be ready for these irritations. A fourth test of your patience is inactivity. You know, we would rather do anything than wait. You know, while working on this message on patience, I, I went to Food Lion. You know, and I, I always scope for the best line. Unless my, my, my guy, Barry, who is a Bronco fan, is there, and I have my Patriot hat on, and I don't care how long the line is, I'm going to abuse him in it. You know, but this day, Barry wasn't working, so I thought I found a great line. I'm, in and out, I got it. Record time. Except a couple in front of me decided, let's do separate orders. And let's use that ancient thing called a check for each of those orders. And let's talk to the cashier. <laughs> and I'm like, seriously? I got like three items. You know, tests of our patience. Does anybody enjoy waiting? Do you know that you'll spend about six months of your life sitting at a red light waiting for it to turn green? And, and you notice how we, we admire patience in the guy behind us, right? But not in front of us. I don't know about you, like, if they're in front of me. It happened yesterday with Jim Tao going to the post office, right? I got a U-turn. Car, I'm going like, serious? Little car, you're not going to go? You know, but if someone beeps at me, I'm like, seriously, guy, it's just a light. You can get the next one. <laughs> yeah. Waiting is hard. Ask David. He waited 18 years after God anointed him, right? Jesus waited 30 years to begin his ministry. Moses waited 40 years in the desert. And Noah waited 120 years for it to start the rain. Do you remember what the number one Christian song was in 2000? Nine, remember the words? While I'm waiting, I will serve you. While I'm waiting, I will worship. While I'm waiting, I will not faint. 
I'll be running the race while I wait. How do you handle inactivity? You know, you can tell a lot about how people in inactivity, by the way, they deal with elevators. You know, you got like two types of people. You got, you got the swayers, right? They push the button, they're just swaying, right? And then you got, I, I, I'm not a swayer, you know what, I, I'm a pusher. You know, I'm going to push it. I've already pushed it. The lights are already on, but I'm going to push that button and push that button and push that button. I do that to my computer, right? And I lock it up. Seriously, you know, I forget about the old dial-up days. Like, I push the button. Why isn't it happening, like, right now? You know, every day our patience will be tested. Chances are if, if you have children in your home or more than you or even you maybe, you know. I think on Sunday morning there's this demon who shows up at Christian homes to create havoc, right? You know, there's a missing sock, there's a missing shoe, you know, there's something going on. Yeah, anybody patience tested this morning with their kids or with, with, we won't say your spouse, we'll leave that one out. Which brings us to the fifth thing that tests our patience, and it also starts with an I, kind of. I call it I people, <laughs> all right? <laughs> I, I forced that I, Serena asked, is that a mistake? I go, no, it's, I needed an I, so... Um, you know, do people test your patience? I don't even, even need to ask, right? Are you married? <laughs> do you have kids? Do you know people? Do you work with people? Uh, do you go to church with people? Uh, people will test your patience. I mean, if we had a huge whiteboard up here and I said, okay, let's list all the things about people that irritate you. I mean, that thing would be filled up in no time, right? But we're not going to do that. Instead, we'll just say that people like interruptions, inconveniences, irritations, and inactivity, they test their patience. The next thing I want to talk about is, is that patience is foundational. Foundational to what? It's foundational to our relationships, our relationship with God and with other people. You know, the big two, right? Love God and, and love people. Uh, just this past week, we read in Mark 12 where some guy came up to ask Jesus a question, what's the greatest commandment? And, you know, and Jesus does a good job answering it. And the guy goes, hey, Jesus, you did a good job, A+. plus, Great job, Jesus. And then, and then Jesus says something to this guy who understood. It says, realizing how much the man understood. He, he understood these things, right? Jesus said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And as I was reading out of my quiet time, I thought, you know, I wondered if part of that, you're close but not there because, yeah, you understand and you know you're supposed to love God and love people, but are you doing it, Right? Maple Grove, we know that we're supposed to show love when it's undeserved, joy when there's no reason, uh, peace when the pressure's on, patience when we feel like losing it, but are we actually doing it? We're not far from the kingdom. Interestingly, when Paul grabbed this pen to begin that portrait, great portrait of love in 1 Corinthians 13, he begins this way, love is what? Love is patient, Right? Love is patient. God says that patience is the foundation to relationships, right? Healthy relationships, growing relationships. And, you know, how, how does God know that? Because he's put up with people like you and me for thousands of years. And the fact that we're still here, right, is a testimony to the patience of God. Now, the word patience is a Greek word. It's a compound word, makrothumos. Makro means long or slow, and thumos means heat energy, anger, wrath. Literally, it means to take a long time to boil over. Uh, we talk about somebody having a short fuse. This means this is somebody who has a long fuse. And check this out. Every time macrothumos is used in the New Testament is always referring to the relationship that we have with other people. 
And the point is, we must take a long time to boil over or blow up when we relate to other people if we want to display and have the fruit of patience in our lives. Get it? Good. Now, now why is patience foundational in our relationships? At home, at work, at church, wherever. Three reasons. Number one, because everybody's different. Acts 17, God began by making one person, and from him came all the different people. And if you're taking notes, just circle different people who live everywhere in the world. God decided exactly when and where they must live. Would you agree that people are different? That like a snowflake, man, that no two are alike? I understand. Not only do we look different, but we have different gifts, different abilities, different passions, different interests, different skills, different hopes, different dreams. We grew up in different families at different times in different places. We've had different struggles, different challenges, different life experiences. We have different personalities. Some are introverts, some are extroverts, some, some people lay somewhere in between. People are different. Question, how many in here are, are, would call themselves a morning person? Right, Raise your hand, okay? Okay, how many would say they're not a morning person? Okay, how many like to be 15 minutes early to wherever they're going, at least 15 minutes early, right? How many people feel that if they're only 15 minutes late, they're still on time? Raise your hand, okay? Okay, you know, you know. okay. Um, and and how, many, how many are married to the opposite, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. see, God, 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 God's fun. God, that's funny. He's just watching. Let me put those two together. This is, check this out, dude. This is hilarious. He's watching videos like that of us, you know, God tube, whatever, you know. He said, like, check this out. Look at these guys here. It is hilarious. We're different. And, and these differences create misunderstandings. I mean, we just can't figure each other out. Paul writes, no one can really know what anyone else is thinking or what he's really like except that person himself. You know, have you used or thought any of these phrases recently? I don't understand why he does that. Why can't they just get it? They just don't make any sense. How can they even think that way? Why do I have to tell them 48,172 times before they actually get it? Why do they always have to be so emotional, so angry, so defensive, so hostile? Can you relate to any of those? Bottom line, we're all different, and these differences create misunderstandings. Yet God says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, be patient, be long-fused, be slow to boil over with everyone, with everyone. Again, patience is foundational relationships because we're all different. These differences create misunderstandings, and these misunderstandings you know, are, are fueled and come from four wrong assumptions. Number one, that, that, that words mean the same thing to different people, and they don't. That's just not true. Uh, the 500 most used words in the English language, they have 15,000 different meanings. And, 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 and you can say one thing to somebody and they hear something totally different. Like, it, this happens to me a lot. You know, I, I could say to my kids, and, and I say, I need you to clean the kitchen. You know what I mean? I don't care what you're doing. You turn it off right now. In five seconds, I want you off your butt, in the kitchen, cleaning the kitchen. That's what I mean. And when they respond, yeah, I'll clean the kitchen, sometimes to them it's like, yeah, I'll clean it. 
sometime before Christmas, and I haven't figured out which Christmas yet, but when I figure that out, I'll let you know, right? Words mean different things to different people. Wrong assumption number two is that there's only one right way to see things. Again, not true. And when we're thinking straight, we, we know that, unless we're talking about biblical truth. But people do see things differently, and it, it, sometimes it's not, it's, not, it's not about being right or being wrong. I mean, I mean, some people see country music as music, right? And, and, and some don't. You know, some see cats as an awesome pet, and some see cats as the joke that keeps on giving, right? You know? Some see Tom Brady as the greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> and some can't deal with the truth. <laughs> okay, we can see things differently. It's not about being right or wrong, right? Well, I know is Jerry Rice, you stick them on his gloves. That's all I'm saying. So, okay. Well, on assumption number three is that your way is the right way to see things. And most of us make that assumption, right? I mean, if everybody would see things, if your spouse, what, your, if, every, your parent, if everybody would see things your way, everything would just be fine. I mean, your side of the argument is clear. Their side is confusing. Your side of the issue is logical. Theirs is irrational. Your frustration is justified. Theirs is unwarranted. Uh, what you're saying makes perfect sense. What they're saying, well, the lights are on, but no one's been home for a really, really long time. And again, outside of biblical truth, there are different ways of seeing things, different perspectives, different opinions, different ideas. And hear me. And, and those who have the fruit of patience are able to disagree without being disagreeable. Get it? They're able to disagree without sinning. I understand. Here, here's the deal, right? Not everything in life is going to go the way you want it to go. I mean, Jesus prayed in the garden, right? Hey, Lord, I wanted to go this way. <laughs> I don't want that cup of wrath. It didn't go his way. You know, it's not always going to go the way you want it. And when you have patience, you respond in the right way, right? I mean, think about growing up as a kid, right? Things did not always go the way I wanted to as a kid, you know? What we had for dinner, right? If I said, hey, you know, I think, get my brother together. Make, I think for dinner we should have little Debbie Swiss rolls, you know, Rocky Road ice creams, and Utz potato chips, you know, every night for dinner. Well, my dad may say, you know, I, I can see you see that, and you, that's, a, uh, that's a valid opinion, but not happening, son, right? Okay, you know, the, next, number four, wrong assumption number four is that we can figure out someone else's motives. We can't, right? I don't know about you. Sometimes I don't know why I do what I do. You know, and, and how can I figure out someone else's motives? I mean, it's like I, look at, I can look at Mark and say, you know, okay, Mark did this. Mark Murray responded this way. And here's why he did it. I don't know why he did it. I, I, unless I talk to you, right? But we assume, well, that's why they're doing it. That's why they didn't invite me out to lunch. You know, that, that's why when they walked down the hall, they ignored me. We don't know. Patience is foundational to our relationships. We have to have it because they're all different. These differences create misunderstandings. And number three, it's foundation because of what happens in our relationships when we lose our patience. It gets pretty ugly when we bowl over, doesn't it? We look really foolish when we blow up, don't we? And hear me, in the church, 
bowling over in the church, bowling over and blowing up, dishonors God and it grieves the Holy Spirit. In the church, bowling over and blowing up, it dishonors God and it grieves the Holy Spirit. Paul, in that great chapter of unity in Ephesians 4, says this, Don't sin by letting anger control you, for anger gives a foothold to who? To the devil. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I say that's a bad thing. When you're angry, you've just given the devil a foothold in your life. You give him a beachhead to operate from. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Think about what you've been talking about. But, but, but only, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs and that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. This dissension and anger grieves him with whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, all rage and anger, brawling and slander. And slander is basically talking negatively about somebody behind their back, right? And, and, and every form of malice. Malice is like, man, I don't like you, so I want whatever you do, I want it to fail. Yeah, serves you right, Ryan. I knew that would happen. It's good to see you, brother. You know, call you out when you fail, right? Love you, man. You know, uh, but that's what malice is, right? We want bad things to happen to people we don't like. You know, and, and, and you know, it, it, suppose there was a video we could pop up on the screen of every time during the last few months where you lost your patience. Would, would anybody want to see that video up there? I, I, I wouldn't. And, and, you know, I, I, and I, I lose my patience, you know. That video would help me, though, because, you know, so, sometimes I'll be, like, losing my patience with my, my kids, which as I was working on this sermon, it was crazy last night. Uh, my kids were driving me crazy. You know, inviting friends over for meals, and I'm, I'm working on my sermon on patience, and I'm just laughing because I'm getting madder and madder. I go, this is ridiculous. I'm getting really ticked off, but yet I'm doing the sermon on patience tomorrow. So, God, this is really frustrating me right now, you know. And, 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 but there's been times with my own kids where, you know, like, I'm in a parking lot somewhere, and I'm going, hey, get in the car. Get in the Are you not listening to me? Get in there. And then I look up, and I may see someone from church. And, 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 and this, this is not good. And I'll, then I'll go, hey, guys, let's go. It's going to be awesome. I, I keep on hollering because I don't want to change my tone. But I want them to think, in case they overheard, I want them to think I'm just having fun. Okay, that's not good, all right? That's just not a good example, right? Uh, I, I don't know about you. I, I'd have a pretty not-so-good video, you know, and that's not how God wants us to be. A hot-tempered man starts fights and gets into all kinds of trouble. Uh, people with hot tempers do foolish things. Proverbs 11, the fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. Uh, James, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And I'm here to tell you, on the authority of God's word, you know, if you have anger in your heart right now, you need to repent. You need to repent. Uh, not next week. You need to repent now. Because anger, you're, this anger will not, God has a life he wants you to live, a righteous life he desires for you and for me, and we need to repent of our anger. Anger is not a good thing. It's something we have to get rid of. Amen? So how do we unleash the fruit of patience in our lives? Again, again this is important. Uh, how do we cooperate the Holy Spirit? Uh, number one, we become proficient at BPR squared, all right? Not CPR, BPR squared. And the B stands for breathe. 
Just breathe. And when you're about to lose it, and believe me, I can get so impatient, you just breathe. Breathing gives you time to cool down, and you focus on breathing. You know, just, just breathe you know, deeply. What is it hard to do when you're doing that? It's hard to say anything, <laughs> which is really good when you're tick, about to be ticked off, right? You, you breathe. It gives you time to cool down. Thomas Jefferson said, when angry count to 10, when very angry count to 100, right? All right, breathe. Yeah, just breathe. You're about to lose it. Just breathe and calm down. Then you pray. And you're like, of course, you're going to say pray. Yeah, but seriously, pray. It's a huge thing. You pray, God, God, you know what? God, I am getting so ticked off right now. This person, these people, this situation is driving me crazy. And I want to hit something. I want to break something. I want to say something. I want to act in ways that I know that you don't want. And God, I want you to help me right now. God, I, I lay this at your feet. I do not want to be that person. I do not want to be that person anymore. God, please help me not lose it this time. You breathe and you pray and you remember. You remember. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is what? He's patient with you. Remember how patient God is with you. God is so patient with us. This morning as I was working on the sermon, I was thinking, man, I wish Jesus told a parable about the, you know, the, 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 the unpatient servant, right? like the unforgiving servant, you know, forgiving a big debt and that he didn't forgive someone who had a smaller debt. And God was like, well, Steve, I didn't tell a parable, but that's the Bible. <laughs> that's the Bible. You know, you know, God is patient with us. He has unlimited patience with us. We re- the other R stands for resolve. Resolve. Quit saying I can't control my anger. Well, it's the way I am. I'm Irish. I'm Italian. I'm Latin. I, you know, I was born on the second Tuesday of the month. You know, whatever. And stop making excuses for your anger and losing your temper and start accepting responsibility. We have far more control over anger than we think we do. It's better to be slow-tempered than famous. It's better to have self-control than to control an army. And so to un- unleash the power of patience, we-, we-, we have to be proficient at BPR. And number two, we have to create some margin in our life. Margin. And this is huge because it's the lack of margin that creates the environment where impatience can grow and flourish. Margin is breathing room. It's that little reserve that we're not use enough so that we're, we're not stretched to the limit, so we're not going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing with nothing in between. Margin is the space between your, between your load and your limit, and hopefully your load is not more than your limit, but more than likely it is. A guy named Dr. Richard Swenson wrote this, the conditions of modern society, modern living devour margin. If you're homeless, we direct you to a shelter. If you're penniless, we offer you food stamps. If you're breathless, we connect you to oxygen. But if you're marginless, we give you one more thing to do. Marginless is being 30 minutes late to the doctor's office because you were 20 minutes late getting out of the hairdressers because you were 10 minutes late dropping the children off at school because the car ran out of gas two blocks from the gas station and you forgot your purse. That's marginless. Margin, on the other hand, is having breath at the top of the stairs, money at the end of the month, and sanity left over at the end of your child's children's teenage years. Marginless is a baby crying and the phone rang at the same time. Margin is grandma taking the baby for the afternoon. Marginless is being asked to carry a load five pounds heavier than you can lift. Margin is having a friend 
carry half of that burden. Uh, marginless is not having the time to finish the book you're reading on stress. Margin is having time to read it twice. Marginless is fatigue. Margin is energy. Marginless is red ink. Margin is blank ink. Uh, marginless is hurry. Margin is calm. Marginless is our culture. Margin is counterculture. Marginless is reality. Margin is remedy. Marginless is the disease of our decade, and margin is the cure. We need margin. We need margin. And here's some things for us to reflect on. Man, I need margin, just like you guys do. Number one, you know, accept that you have limits. We talked about that last week. You have physical limits, emotional limits, mental limits, time limits, space limits. You have financial limits, right? You can't buy everything you want or do everything that you want. You have limits. You know, accept that you have limits. Number, number two, prune some activities. Some stuff has to go, right? But make sure it's not all God stuff, right? Well, you know what? I think if I cut out church and I think if we cut out tithing, we'd have more margin. That's, no, don't make sure it's not all God stuff. Uh, allow time for the unexpected, right? For margin. You know, like if you know it takes, you know, you got to be somewhere and it takes 15 minutes to get there if, traffic, if you hit every light on time and you're not behind a tractor going down the road, right? And maybe you should allow some margin, right? You, if you're like me, you're going to be like frantically looking for your keys. Like where? I mean, I found them in the freezer. I found them in my mailbox. I found them under my car. They can be anywhere, you know. You know and, and so, loud time. I actually had some good margin this morning. I was pretty excited about it. Um, got to church early, and things were wrong with my prayer time, but I had plenty of time to do it. I had margin, at least for the day. And then put some downtime in your schedule, you know. And don't expect someone to do it for you. You know, don't pray Lord, put margin in my schedule, you know, some downtime just to pull away from it all. Another thing to unleash the power of patience is make allowances for other people. Everybody has bad days, right? We're all human. We all make mistakes, so we need to cut each other slack every now and then. There are times when I act like a jerk, so I should be gracious and patient and realize that other people at times will act like jerks. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that being patient means that we, that, we, that, that we allow sin and wrong behavior to go unconfronted. I'm just saying sometimes we just need to cut people a break. Amen. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love, your love for God, your love for the gospel, your love for them. Next, release your anger in appropriate ways. In your anger, do not sin. There's like five ways that, that you can release your anger. You know, I have a picture illustration with each one. Four don't work. One does. Uh, here's one that doesn't work. I, I call it the trash compactor. You know, um, you know I, if you have one of these, I've never had one of these, but the, the deal is, you know, I mean, you can just keep stuff and junk in there, right? Stuff, 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 stuff. You know, so you don't have to go out the garbage as much. But the problem is eventually, if you don't take it out, it's going to stink, and it may start leaking out, Right? And that happens if you deal with anger that way, right? I mean, people say to you, what's wrong? Oh, nothing. No, something's got to be bothering you. No, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. It's really all good. And they keep stuffing it and stuffing it and stuffing it, and they try to ignore it. They pretend it's not there, but pretending it's not there doesn't work. In fact, suppression of anger is one of the leading causes that depression in our society. We keep, supp we keep suppressing stuff, then we become depressed. Here's another way that doesn't work. I call it the ventilator, okay? Okay, okay. All right, these people, they don't, they don't, 
stuff it down, they spew it out. And sometimes they take pride in their ability to spew it out, right? Hey, I'll just speak my mind, right? How about keeping some of that mind in there, you know? I don't want to hear it. They curse God, they curse people, they slam doors, they squeal tires, they kick little dogs. I mean, they just got to let it go. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, Scripture says, don't be quick-tempered, for anger is the friend of fools. A hothead starts fights. A cool-tempered person tries to stop them. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Uh, next is what I call the prosecuting attorney. Anybody know who that is? That's Jack McCoy. Actually, his name, apparently, according to Wikipedia, which is always right, it's, it's John James McCoy. He just goes by Jack in law and order. He's a prosecuting attorney. And, you know, maybe you're a smart person. And when you're angry at somebody, I was staring at a lawyer first service when I was talking about it. It's so funny. I talked about church, you know. I mean, when you're angry, I mean, you start digging up the facts, past records. You got exhibit A, exhibit B. You got witnesses. You got interrogation lamps. I mean, you're so overwhelmingly prepared, and you're, you're so much quicker and smarter than they are that they say, okay, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, even if they're not, because they just can't debate you. Solomon says, losing your temper is foolish, ignoring an insult is smart, but you can't ignore it because you have a point to prove. Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor, Scripture says. Only fools insist on quarreling, but you can't let it go, not when you can win, man. I mean, one more argument, man, and the jury's going to decide in your favor. And so maybe you're not a ventilator, trash compactor, or prosecuting attorney. Another wrong way is what I call the stealth bomber, okay? Um, And this is the person that flies low and flies quiet, and they're looking for the right moment to hit the target. A barb of sarcasm here, a, a ding there, a poke there, a, a heat-sinking missile, and boom, they got you. Uh, they're the kind of person that, that quietly can walk around the house or the office, and on the way out, they'll say, see you later, your majesty. Boom, right? Target sighted, sarcasm loaded, direct hit, and you're out of there. I mean, some people are top gun at stealth bombing. Scripture says the start of a quarrel is like a leak in the dam, so stop it before it bursts, right? Be a part of stopping it, not keeping it going. But you're like, hey, I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm not trying to destroy anybody. I just want to, a stealth bomber just wants to ding them up a little bit, right? Get their two cents in. But God says if you keep doing that, the dam is going to burst someday, and when it does, you and everyone else is going to drown in your mismanaged anger. So if you tend to be a stealth bomber, you need to watch your tone, watch your sarcasm, watch your tactics, your body language, your timing, your tongue, your Facebook posts, right? right? Don't stealth bomb on social media, right? That's just, that's just not good. Now, the fifth way to handle anger is what I call a temperature gauge, right? And, and, and what a temperature gauge does, it tells you how hot things are, right? And, and, and so a temperature gauge in your car doesn't try to pretend that things are cooler than they really are. Man, if I tell Steve we're hitting 230, it's really going to make him feel bad about his car. And so I'm going I'm to tell him, no, we're, we're, no, it doesn't do that. It just says, it's honest. Hey, things are getting a little heated here. And being honest about your anger is the best way to deal with it. You're honest. You admit it. You admit it to three people. First, you admit it to yourself, right? 
You know, and then you look behind the anger, because anger is always a secondary emotion. It's always fueled by something else. Am I angry because I'm frustrated? Am I angry because I'm hurt? Am I angry because I'm afraid? And, and then you admit it to God. God, I'm feeling angry. I, I don't want to be this way. I don't want to be this person. Will you help me out? You know, um, God, this is really ticking me off. Please help me. And then you admit it to the other person. Hey, I'm really starting to get ticked here. <laughs> you know, and... and I'm, I'm feeling hurt. I, I'm frustrated. I'm afraid. Or, man, we, can we come back to this? I, I need just a little space so we can deal with this. Next, to unleash the power of patience, we need, uh, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't fret. It only leads to evil. And, you know, if we think about it, most of the stuff that irritates us, irritates me, irritates you, that causes us to lose our patience in the scope of eternity, it's pretty small stuff, right? And the scope of what happened to 21 of our Coptic brothers, right, right, it, 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 you know, it, it, it's small stuff, right, uh, I missed a red light, uh, the, the computer's not working quite right, you know, people use separate check in the food line, line. not everybody at the church gets me the way I want them to get me, uh, well, you know what, that's small in comparison, right, and so don't sweat the small stuff, and, you know, we're too uptight about too many things, which kind of leads to the next one, laugh a lot right? Just laugh. You know, if you can laugh at it, you can live with it. Whatever you can laugh at, you can live with. We need to learn to laugh at, when, when things just start falling apart all around you, you just need to laugh about it, right? And it's a great witness to people. You know, years ago over Thanksgiving break, you know, my kids came up from college. We drove from Atlanta down to Florida to paint a house, and everything went wrong, completely wrong. Anthony, the guy living with us in college, like he didn't shut the tailgate to the truck, and like when I got, you know, we bought all these gallons of paint at Home Depot at 6.30 in the morning. When I went to pick up ladders at the store, that, when I was picking up ladders, opened it up, guess what wasn't in the pickup? Not one can of paint. I'm going like, that's crazy. <laughs> like, there's no paint in here, you know? Drove up, guess what? They were like all over the road, you know? And he's waiting for me to freak out because that's what his dad did. I just laughed. And then I laughed when... When my daughter ran her car into the back of the truck that I borrowed going home, you know, and wrecked it, and we had to get it towed uh, 150 miles, I just laughed, because what can you do, right? We, had, we went to a hotel, had fun, watched some movies, and I just, just laughed about it, right? I mean, most of us take ourselves and our situations too seriously. Just learn to laugh. A relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. If you want to learn to be patient, uh, um, you know, become and, and, and I believe this stuff will work because it's scripture. Become proficient at BPR. Replay, remember, resolve. Create some margin in your life. Anybody need some more margin? You know, okay, you know it's not going to show up magically. It doesn't for me. Uh, make allowance for other people. Sometimes people act like idiots. <laughs> Sometimes I'm going to act like an idiot. Let's just cut each other some slack, right? Um, release your anger in an appropriate way, right? You know, don't sweat the small stuff. Laugh a lot. And number seven is probably the most important, is be connected to God. Stay connected to God. You know, because here's the deal, that without your connection to God, you're doing it on your own. You're looking for, it's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of self. And I guarantee you, when I try to do this without being connected to God, right, I, I got to make allowance for other people. I got to release my anger appropriately. You know, I got to create margin. You know, I, I got I to laugh a lot. Ha ha, you know, I don't want to laugh, but, uh, you know. I'm doing it on my own strength, right? And it's not going to work. And I'm going to get frustrated. And I'm going to get angry. And it's just going to be self-defeating. 
But yet when I connect to God, it, it has a way of working. Jesus said this, you know, the night before he was crucified. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are what? You're the branches. You're just a branch. Don't, don't, don't try to be the vine, right? You're not going to produce. You're, 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 you're not a vine. You're a branch. So don't try to do this on your own. I am the vine. You're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, to have a love when it's undeserved, to have joy when there's no reason, to have peace when the pressure's on, to have patience when you feel like losing it, stay connected to God. Stay connected to God. I like to say it this way. Um, a branch on a tree has no choice, right? Say this branch is connected to an apple tree. It's like, I don't want no apples on me. Sorry, dude. You're going to have some apples, right? Doesn't have, doesn't have, you know, it doesn't have a choice, right? But a branch laying on the ground, disconnected, does not have a chance. So how's your connection with God today? Please don't misunderstand. You know, I give you like this to-do list, and I'm not saying it's a work of you. But I'm saying we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And so if you're here today and you've yet to surrender to God through faith, repentance, and baptism, you can do that. You know, if you're here today and, man, you've been, you know, you've been holding on to anger, you've been losing your cool, remember our God is a God of unlimited patience. Every day is a new stinking day, right? Every moment you can say, yeah, I screwed up, I haven't done well, but you know what, God, I'm starting new, I'm starting fresh, and I'm believing that you can help me do this. You know, you know, please don't leave here holding on to anger and bitterness and resentment. Leave it at the cross. Leave it at the cross. Because the beautiful thing about God, the deal is, you know, he changes us from the inside out. And we're going to sing the song, and I encourage you just to worship as we're singing it. And would you stand and pray with me? If you have a prayer need, come on up here. You want to talk about following Christ, man, come and talk to me. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. And God, Thank you for your patience with us. God, thank you for being so patient with me. And God, I, I chose to follow you so long ago, God, 36 years ago. And, and man, I, 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 thought I'd, I thought I'd be further along and, and how you put up with me. I don't always do the things I'm supposed to do and I do the things I don't want to do and, and yet you're so patient with me. And God, uh, as we're about to sing a thousand times, I think I have over a thousand, but a thousand times I've failed, yet your mercy remains. And God, I know that should I stumble again, I'll always be caught in your grace. What a, what a God that you are. And God, I, I pray for us here that we'll be serious and realize that with your spirit inside of us that we truly can live the life you want us to live. In Jesus' name, amen.